courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, markets are winding down for 2016, and it looks like the Dow Jones Industrial Average is just going to miss out on the 20,000 level. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is ending the year in huge fashion. The price is up more than 120% for the year. What does it mean? What's the significance? We'll talk about all that coming up next. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast and the last regular podcast of the 2016 podcasting season. Uh, we will be doing our, our our week ahead, which is almost it's going to be like a year ahead almost. Uh, we'll be doing that podcast over the weekend. But today, Friday, here in the studio, last regular season podcast. That's what I'm calling a bit. And uh, Stephen Grosser still on vacation, still a much-deserved vacation. So I hope he's doing well, and he is probably working on a story wherever he is because the man is the worst vacationer I've ever been around. So joining me here in the studio today, uh, friends of the podcast, you know their names, you know their their voices, Telus Demos and Aaron Lucchetti. Gentlemen, how are you? Hey, good to be here. Good. And. A, is this your first time on, it on is, the podcast? It right? is. Very exciting. It's Akane Oktani, uh, n- who has been a full-time reporter at the Wall Street Journal for, is it, is it two weeks now, It's a grand Akane? total of two weeks. A grand total of two <laughs> weeks. Uh, but you, you interned with us over this the summer. This summer. That's when you started. Yes. And you've been finishing up grad school this fall and working here part-time. Right. And now you are full-time. For the most exciting uh, part of the year for the markets. Covering, <laughs> covering the markets. You're on our markets team. Right. Right. So uh, I'm going to go on a limb. It is, and I'll tell you, we're, we're recording this. It is 1.22 p.m. in New York City. I'm going to go on a crazy limb and say the Dow will not hit 20,000 this year. No way. What is it trading at at this moment? Uh, it's as about we record. 200 points away. Yeah. So... Uh, Akane, what what is what is what is the what is the the feeling around Dow twenty thousand? Is there a little letdown? Is there within, is. within the markets team, but also within the the folks you talk to when you're doing your stories? Uh, well, Paul, morale is low. On morale is low. <laughs> we have had uh, the Dow twenty k hats sitting on our desks for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. And I think the general consensus is that. We would all like it to happen sooner rather than later so we can just sort of move on. Right. Well, we want to have it because we've written stories right. and we're ready to go with these things. We're all ready. We're all ready. We're ready on the blogs. We're ready on the markets team. Can I throw a crazy question at you guys? You, you can. Why do I care about the number 20,000 and the Dow? What is the significance of that? That You had to go ask the hardball question, didn't you? I'm just throwing it out there. Because Telus and, and Aaron are on the banking team, so they're not as close to the markets as, as, as we are. Mm. So uh, Akani, who has been here for, for two weeks, answer the hardball question from Aaron, from Telus Demos. Why does Dow 20,000 matter? Well, with my uh, two weeks of experience, <laughs> I can say it's a nice round number. I think that round numbers matter for markets, even though, you know, when you talk to people who are managing lots of money, they mostly shrug off Dow 20,000. They say we're not really sort of on the edge of our um, toes watching for this thing to happen. People, I think, just get generally excited when we're hitting 18,000, 19,000, 20,000. And 
even now, I think I saw a story yesterday on Market Watch talking about Dow twenty five thousand. Are there are there technical reasons? Like, is it is it one of those things where once it hits twenty thousand, that shakes out some of the weak hands and not, that allows us to rally to twenty two thousand yeah. or twenty three thousand? Or is that a resistance point? Where not not specifically. Okay. There's no real technical significance to twenty thousand. Uh, people have been talking about numbers a little bit north of twenty thousand that mm-hmm. do have technical significance. But I mean, look, it's really just. It's like a mile marker is what it really is. I mean, it's, you know, you're driving on the highway going from New York to D.C. and you pass Baltimore. Well, now you know you've passed Baltimore. You're now closer. You know, I mean, it's really just a mile marker. Psychologically, it affects people. You're going to see. It you really know, affects us. Well, it affects right now. us. Right, right. <laughs> it affects us. It affects um, hat makers. It ha- no, affects but, hat but, makers. But seriously, the, the, when you're in uncharted territory, people think differently about their investments. They think, okay. Am I missing out? With the Dow's at 20000 now, I've missed out these last right, five years, seven years. I really it, yeah. need to put some money in this market. Or conversely, you might have people who say, wow, this has been a great ride. We're kind of in uncharted territory here. Maybe I should take some chips off the right. table. So from that standpoint, people do think about it differently. But it, it isn't any different than Dow 19000 or 21000 yeah. Once you're in new uncharted territory – People think differently about yeah. the market. And and if we look at it from the point of view of like other measures like um, P.E. ratio or if we adjusted it for – right? So le- the last time we were talking about Dow 20,000 was back during the dot-com bubble days, right? And Dow 20,000 meant something very different than – than it does today, right? Just in terms of, you know, if we if we look at it from the point of view of like real dollars, it's a different yeah. amount – Again, on a PE basis. So, where 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 does twenty thousand leave us on that kind of yeah, scale? Before before we answer that question, I want to know how many of us here in this room were actually talking and writing about Dow twenty thousand back in the dot com boom. I was seven, so. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, I, I was I was working here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but but back then, Dow twenty thousand represented like kind of. You know, uh, uh, well, it was, uh, I mean, back then it was a real pie in the sky. Right. Thing. I mean, they had just passed ten thousand, so it was real pie. the The thing I think you 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 hit on that is interesting is the whole issue of PE ratios, because then you start talking about valuations, and that's when you start to get into what does this move mean? This move since election day, especially, has been really you know it's been a big ascent in the major indexes. Um, what are valuations telling you now about everything moving forward? Because remember, all this stuff is 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 it this is the, the index represents the point at which people will do a transaction, right? I mean, you're talking about prices. That's what a price is. You know, you got two people on two different sides. They assess what's going on. They assess the future. At the, the point at which those opinions converge is where the transaction occurs. I and mean, that's all it is. So it's really kind of a, a prediction of where people see the future going. But valuations are s- so much better for talking about that. Valuations are high. I mean, they're not nosebleed.com high. They're, they're but, not what they would have been. Into like if if we'd hit Dow twenty thousand fifteen years ago, right? They're they're not where they would right. have been, right? Like my the the market is not at an especially frothy valuation level at the moment, correct? I think people are generally saying it's stretched, but it's not at extreme levels. I think we're right. at what like twenty two times. Yeah, I'm trying S&P. to look it up. I don't have it in front of me. I think the historical something like the ten year average is more like sixteen. Right, yeah, almost almost by definition because earnings grow more consistently and the markets jump around, they overreact on both sides. The, the first time you move through the milestone, the, the valuations are going to look stretched. 
and then it often takes time for the valuations to catch up. I mean, most famously, um, before even my time, uh, when the Dow went through a thousand, it took forever. It kind of got to a thousand. It, mm-hmm. it sort of creeped up, crept up there. And it took like 10 or 15 years for it to kind of definitively break through in the 80s, and, and it was off to the races. But during that time, earnings slowly grew, uh, and the valuations looked more and more rational, and then, and then finally the right. markets took and, off. And, and so, so, original, like, so at first, 1,000 was a wow kind of moment, and then after a while, it was, gee, shouldn't we really be at 1,500? Like it became yeah. less of a – of a remarkable and kind of The interesting of thing to see, and, and, and you might be hearing people talk about this, was there was a huge assumption after the election that, okay, you're going to have a GOP White House, GOP Congress, you're going to have a stock-friendly Washington, D.C., let's buy things. Stimulus, uh, economy looks okay, you know, things are going to be great in 2017. Uh, if things don't turn out to be as great in 2017 as the assumption that was baked in there was – that's when you're going to start running into problems. I don't know if you're hearing yeah. people talking about that. Yeah, we're just wrapping up a story about uh, corporate earnings. And, you know, they just started to come back uh, in the third quarter after, what, five consecutive quarters of declines. But the big question is sort of can we still – can we continue to see earnings grow next year? Because right now a right. lot of people are saying what the stock market is rallying on is, you know, hypothetical and it's hope. Um, but we still haven't seen any of these policies come into play yet. And when we start seeing some concrete things come out next year, whether it's corporate earnings or, you know, more clarity on uh, the Trump administration's policies, that's what really could get, you know, things moving a little bit more. Yeah. And then uh, b- b- before we let you go, Connie, we're going to take a break in a second and we're going to talk about Bitcoin, folks. You don't want to miss the Bitcoin conversation. But uh, before we let you go, Connie, because Connie is, is working the last day of the year, folks, working hard like we all, us poor suckers, sucker are. Uh, <laughs> we had a very interesting lunch, didn't we? We did. We went to Evergreen Diner. Midtown, Beloved, 47th Street. Yeah, institution. <laughs> Which is closing down. Right. Paul's uh, been there three times this week. I had to get in my last shot. <laughs> On the same day as Carnegie Deli, I might add. That's right. It's the last yeah. day for the Carnegie Deli. So, yeah, Evergreen, which Your is- $30 goes a lot further at Evergreen, by the way, <laughs> than it does at Carnegie Deli. Carnegie Deli, that gets well, you half a you know, sandwich but, but at Evergreen. But that'll that'll feed relative. a family of 10. But yeah. that, yeah. that, that half, that half a sandwich at Carnegie <laughs> Deli is- so you talk. So the Carnegie Deli twenty thousand is different than the right. Okay, right. I got it. But it was really sad because it was uh, it was you and me and Ben Eisen. Right. And then we had to pay the bill, and these two flip out their their plastic, and I, I had cash. He was appalled. Was, no one carries cash anymore. Is, <laughs> they didn't know what to do. With it. I, I pulled out a twenty. They didn't know what to do with it. This is, by the way, we're talking to. The, this is the author of a book about Bitcoin. <laughs> we're, we're hoping Evergreen reopens and accepts Bitcoin. I think that's the hope, right, right. Paul? That is the hope, yeah. or, or something should you know. Uh, anyhow, all right, Akane, I'll let you go. Thank right. you for coming in. Thanks First for having podcast, me. you did very well. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. See the, the kids today; they're much more natural at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> did did you actually uh, uh, one more question before I let you okay. go? Uh, so I'm a you just bit scared. You, no, no, you just graduated NYU, right? Journalism school. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, was multimedia sort of a big focus there? We made a sort of video for graduation. <laughs> I'll just leave it wow. at that. Okay. I've taken it down for my YouTube channel, so. <laughs> You Hopefully, have. yeah, no one will you, ever find. You my have a YouTube channel. Though. I I had to create one. I've watched YouTube. You've wa- I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> no. I don't have a channel, but I've watched it. Oh, you said it. you've watched YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watched right, it. right. I've seen it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, more more focused on, on print, on writing, on the stories. Yeah, yeah, 
you know. What's the future of journalism look like? Oh, gosh. No, don't depress me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll save that for another podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, Connie. Thank you. Uh, Stay tuned, folks. After this break, Bitcoin. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. (laughs) Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast on this last regular regularly scheduled podcast of 2016 and it's actually not even the rest regularly scheduled on the last regularly scheduled one will be the one we do when we look at the week ahead but this is the last non week ahead one i'm trying to come up with a way to describe to separate what we do uh anyhow if you want more great wsj podcasts and we do have a bunch of them check us out wsj.com slash podcasts Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts and subscribe. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music app, your Amazon Echo device. I believe you can find us on as well. We're really, you know, we're branching out. This is our first year. We had a good first year. We were on a lot of platforms looking to grow in the second year. Back with Aaron Lucetti and Telus Demos. And uh, hey, Akane did very well, didn't she? She was great. She was good. It's always it, nice. This was, by the way, you, you couldn't see it. You're watching, you're listening to the podcast. This was Rocky Horror Picture Show rules, too. So she was standing up at the front of the podcast <laughs> in yeah. a funny hat. That's, yeah. a, that's a new convention here in, this, in the second year. We're going to do that for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rocky Horror rules. Uh, nice, nice, nice reference there, Telus. You know, yeah. really endear us with the young kids, with the millennials. <laughs> <laughs> really go for that millennial demographic. Kids, your grandparents loved it. They thought it was a hoot. <laughs> right. Uh, any, anyhow, you know, the market has done pretty well. The Dow's had a good year. S&P's had a good year. Oil having its best year since 2009. Uh, bonds, you know, second year that they're, they're going to lose ground in a row there. The dollar is up sharply. None of those assets, though, have had the kind of year that another asset has had, uh, an asset digital currency called Bitcoin. Tell us uh, – Tell us a little bit about what Bitcoin has done this year. So the narrative, I think, for a lot of this year has been uh, Bitcoin, great technology, crummy currency. I'd say right. that, that that has been the, the, the thrust of a lot of our reporting. I think of a lot of investment in the digital currency realm, a lot of interest in blockchain. How can we apply blockchain to you know, everything from – you know, making sure that your sneakers are legitimate to right, right. you know banks using it to trade you know stocks right. and sort derivatives of trying to take the, the underlying technology, exactly. Exactly. The, the programming behind Bitcoin, apply it to different things to abstract it away from that actual currency yeah. that 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 you know was debuted in two thousand nine. Right, and and you had you know that's been going on for more than a year, and certainly earlier this year, and for a long time, Bitcoin's price wasn't moving. People were kind of saying it's dead. They're always saying Bitcoin's dead. Yeah, that was you know? that was kind of the story. That, Bitcoin's that been left in the dust. Bitcoin had a nice run. Yeah. It was an n- interesting novelty. Now let's move on to the grown-up applications. Right, right. But, you know, quietly in the background, Bitcoin didn't go away, kept chugging along, and had a tremendous rally over the course of the year in terms of its value 
pretty much against every major currency, right? Yeah. So in terms of how much, you know, how many dollars is it worth? How many euros? How, how many? How many Chinese yuan, especially um, Indian rupee? Like that's been it's been a huge year in terms of the the, the gains in the price of Bitcoin. Right. It's more than doubled uh, over the course of the year, and interestingly. So we've seen this before. We've seen that movie before, right, where Bitcoin kind of surges to suddenly, you know, traded over $1,100 uh, back in two, 2013. But then, every, as everyone remembers, it kind of crashed to right. about 200 bucks within a few months. What we've seen this time, though, is a more of a sort of orderly rise over the course of the year. It's had like a bit of a bump up, you know, a step up in December. Uh, that's been the, the sharpest month so far. But 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 mostly over the course of the year, you've seen – you know, kind of steady gains, and you've seen them with like lower volatility levels yeah. than you. So you're not seeing these like wild swings. You're seeing just like a steady creeping upwards, which would suggest, you know, typically in a market that would suggest a more sustainable gain rather than one built on yeah. kind of you know uh, a lower volume and and and. Right. I mean, one of the things that happened in the last rally above 1,000 is that Bitcoin was still very immature. I mean, it's still right, it's right. pretty young, but it, in 2013, when it rallied over $1,000, you had all these new exchanges. People were putting money into these mobile wallets. Shaky that, exchanges. Shaky exchanges. And some of them were hacked. Some of them just crashed and burned. And there right. was a lot of losses, not because Bitcoin, the currency, wasn't a good concept, but because the way you access that, that currency had a lot of uh, had a lot of problems, uh, and so we saw Mt. Gox, the biggest exchange, um, basically go away. Right, and there was a lot of there were a lot of issues like that with hackers and with, with problems accessing. Well, Bitcoin. and also, no, interesting, I mean, you, you had... didn't see that go away necessarily in 2016, right? You had a pretty sizable hack of the Bitfinex, right? Um, One of the exchange, exchanges, yeah. Um, in I think in, around the fall, mm-hmm. right? And that's 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 a major kind of mainstream exchange. It was a sizable amount of money. I think it was something in the neighborhood of like sixty, seventy million, right? Yeah, it was a lot. Um, at the so, time, right? so you you did see another kind of you know scary Bitcoin event, but that didn't have the same effect right. that previous hacks had. Well, the, the market seemed to be able to say, the the Bitcoin market seemed to be able to say, okay, not good, but will survive I mean, this, the, the, and the, kind of immediately the, went back to rally. The, the difference, one thing, two major differences, right? One. In 2013, Mt. Gox, I think, was something like 75 or 80 percent of all volume went through Mt. Gox, through one exchange. Now you have a lot more exchanges. But even more fundamentally, the exchanges now are, are built better. They, they work better. They, they have safeguards. They're, they're more mature. Uh, Mt. Gox was a terrible financial platform. It was absolutely awful. It was like basically a, a – um, it was it was created by a hobbyist who then sold it to another guy who didn't know how to run a financial exchange at all, and the thing collapsed. And it was an extremely thin, illiquid market, which was really why the price went up so much because it was it was a one way trade. You could buy it or sell it. There was nothing else. Yeah, you, now you, you have more exchanges. You have derivatives absolutely. products. You can bet for Bitcoin. You can bet against Bitcoin. You can. I mean, it's still a very small market. Well, you, you've you've seen but a different. It is a more mature market. A, a different like a group of people kind of come into the market. So in, too, in the right. same way that that sort of blockchain has infiltrated banking, like banking has started to slowly infiltrate the Bitcoin realm, right? So for example, um, there's a company called TradeBlock, which um, has you know b- you know built by people who are used to kind of building Wall Street applications, right? TradeBlock is the sort of underlying software that now powers a number of different exchanges and you know market makers and things like that. So so like this this software which was you know essentially built as if it had been built for, you know, traditional kind of Wall mm-hmm. Street trading applications is now being used, you know, across the Bitcoin infrastructure. And so, you know, now 
I don't want to suggest that this means that like Bitcoin is now suddenly mainstream and everyone's going to be using it and all that. But I think that 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 at least the internals of the Bitcoin market seem to have stabilized right. a little bit and could perhaps set the stage well, for more, you know, banks, big merchants, people like that to start to consider it as, as, a, as a serious tool for them. It, the other thing that Bitcoin is going for it is it is becoming a 21st century hedge against uncertainty, much like gold has been over over the centuries for mm-hmm. any investor. If you don't want to hold the currency of your home country for whatever reason um, – Bitcoin is an option. You mean like the home country is is banning your is banning cash? Right, like you saw in India, the, yeah. the large rupee um, uh, being banned by by the Indian Prime and Minister. Even, even in Europe, the five hundred euro note right. is being taken right. out of circulation. Right, but that and or if your currency is weakening, or if there's there's rampant inflation, uh, the Chinese yuan has has been moving down slowly, but but markedly for for the Chinese yuan, and and that is stoking demand in China for Bitcoin. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is. And it's kind of funny. We were talking in the last segment about Dow 20,000 and what does that mean? Is there any sort of significant – I think the interesting thing is it, what does Bitcoin 1,000 mean? Because that's what the price is near now. It's it's about $40 away from 1,000. If it crosses that, if it stays above, what does that mean? Is that a sign that Bitcoin is suddenly – I mean certainly if you're looking to buy it or sell it, it means it's well, more value. Just look, before Talk about your interesting fundamental values. Right, you right. Know, uh, so, so gold has not had a great – Year it's still up for the year, but it's down. You know, I think almost thirteen percent in the last six months. So gold is now, you know, per ounce gold is about eleven hundred. You know, somewhere between eleven and twelve hundred dollars. Bitcoin is approaching a thousand. You could see the point at which Bitcoin and gold, you know, one Bitcoin costs what an ounce of gold do- right. does. Now, obviously, those are kind of different, right? One Bitcoin is a larger part of the Bitcoin market than 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 an ounce of gold. So we're not talking about equivalent values, right? But but at the, you know, again, if you're talking just in terms of you know psychology and headlines and things like that, that that, that would probably well, be a, if an interesting moment. If you're somebody who's been in Bitcoin from the start and now a Bitcoin is worth an ounce of gold when five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, I mean, it was literally worthless. That's that's it's a huge road that you have traveled. Yeah, if you if you if you kind of take the the thirty thousand, you know, sort of foot, foot view, foot right, view right. right? That in the fact in eight years you've had something that was literally just a made up kind of right. internet you know idea that one of those is now worth what what an ounce of gold is is yeah. is, is pretty remarkable. Right, but hey, look, to be clear, still a very small market. Yeah, th- th- still thinly traded. Still the thinly vast traded. majority of the trading happens in China. Right. So, so the, the the price of Bitcoin, that, as we talk about it, is set in the exchange world. The vast majority of that trading happens in China, and and you can't really move Bitcoin from one country to another. It's difficult. So, it's it's the 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 notion that there's one Bitcoin kind of market is a little bit of a fiction because you know again it, it, right one Bitcoin is the same in every. Every country, but but you can't necessarily move that money around. Which so. are all reasons why the the podcast listener hearing this now shouldn't move a significant chunk of their money without serious thinking to Bitcoin. It's not it's not a viable investment. No, like, I like, and but right, and to compare it to gold is still a little foolhardy in that yes. sense because gold has this kind of eternal sort of agreed upon value. A Bitcoin, you know, even people, you know, I, t- I was talking to in the market say, look, there could still. Like they don't think it's likely personally, but like they they acknowledge that there's the possibility that like something could go wrong with Bitcoin that could make it worthless tomorrow. Well, for, so for the, it's still the, a they're still trying to figure out what it is. I mean, still you still have you know tax agencies in Europe think it's currency. Uh, tax agent here in the U.S. says it's not currency; it's a property. I mean, you still have people debating about how to define it 
forget to figure yeah. out what its fundamental value is. So I think you're right, Aaron. I mean, it's uh, I personally would not. When people ask me if I, they should invest in Bitcoin, and it's funny because now that the price is going up, I start getting that question sure. again. Sure. My answer is always the same. It's don't invest what you can afford to, what you can't afford to lose. And he, if he, you if you think Bitcoin's interesting and you want to take a flyer on it, put a little money. That's fine. That's one thing. If you believe in it and you want to put a lot of it, that's it. But if you're just kind of you know, bit curious, do not invest what you can't afford to lose. Here's the other thing, too, is that, like I was saying before, I, it, there's still, it still remains to be seen what exactly the utility of Bitcoin is because some of the applica- some of the reason that people are, are sort of using Bitcoin more on an institutional basis is because Bitcoin is sort of seen as a settlement token for other, for traditional currency transfers, right? So there are remittance companies. Um, there's the the sort of the, the, the digital money peer to peer, you know, circle uh, app, right. um, which which you know no longer allows you to sort of trade in Bitcoin, right? You can't sort of own Bitcoin, but they see a huge future for using Bitcoin, basically. So so if I want to send, you know, I have dollars, I want to send you Japanese yen, yeah. you know, rather than pay all of the, the fees associated with moving that money between banks, I can basically, they can behind you the and scenes I can both convert that circle, money to Bitcoin right, right. And, then, and then move it along. So, so I think I, if, if you, another reason to maybe be cautious about it, any, you know, investments in Bitcoin is, is that, you know, just because it is it is gaining value in a sort of institutional capacity, right? That some of these blockchain experiments, what they've actually found out is that the Bitcoin and the Bitcoin blockchain are actually kind of valuable for for doing these other yeah. types of things. That might not. That may mean that your bitcoins are not actually that useful as a currency well, in and, and of itself. The, the interesting thing, and we have to wrap this up here, but the interesting thing I think to look out for in twenty seventeen will be. The narrative around Bitcoin was Bitcoin is dead. Bitcoin is, you know, I love blockchain, but not Bitcoin. I don't need Bitcoin. It'll be interesting to see. And of course, this is what Bitcoin backers are telling you is that you can't have blockchain without Bitcoin and you can do all these experiments. They're all going to fail and you're going to come back to Bitcoin. It'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out in 2017. I don't know how it's going to play out. I have no idea. But if you're watching this, that's what you want to watch for. Yeah, you know. after after a big game like this, what what happens next? It's a yeah. fascinating time to look at it. Right, right. All right, Aaron, tell us. Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, if you miss our week ahead, which will be coming over the weekend, I uh, hope you have had a great 2016. I really thank you for sticking with us, sticking with the Money Beat podcast throughout this year. We have a lot of interesting stuff coming up in 2017. We are really going to ramp this thing up. We're very excited about it. So stay with us. We'll catch up with you soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.